Welcome to Further Reading, Craft, Creativity, and the Writing Life, a podcast from the University of King's College MFA program. I'm your host, Jillian Turnbull. On today's show, we talk to Jordan Abel. Jordan is the author of many award-winning books, most recently Nishka, an experimental multimedia exploration of urban Indigenous identity and the intergenerational trauma wrought by Canada's residential schools. Jordan has been working in the poetry field for many years, winning the Griffin Prize with his work, Injun. Now, with a PhD from Simon Fraser University, he teaches Indigenous literatures and creative writing at the University of Alberta. His work has been published in numerous journals and magazines, including Canadian Literature, The Capilano Review, and Poetry is Dead. And his visual poetry has been included in exhibitions at the Polygon Gallery and the Oslo Pilot Project Room in Oslo, Norway. Today, he joins us to talk about his creative process, breaking the rules of writing, and bridging disciplinary divides. Welcome, Jordan. Thank you so much for joining us on Further Reading. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Cool. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I think we should just get right into it. uh, And let's just start talking about how you came to be a writer. What brought you to writing? Do you, when do you remember first writing and, and how did you come to make it your profession? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, it's a good question for me. So I, I first began writing, I, I think when I was, when I was a kid, I, you know, I think I was, was kind of kind of kind of uh, a, a loner throughout most of my childhood, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and and writing was a thing that I really enjoyed. And you know, for the longest time, it was exclusively fiction. Uh, it, even even up until you know my first, uh, even up until you know partway through my MFA, uh, I really thought I was going to be a fiction writer, and that short stories and novels were things that you know, would, would, would be my, my primary areas. And, and that is, that has turned out uh, not to be the case. <laughs> <laughs> so what took you away from fiction then and brought you to poetry? I had, I had this moment of realization um, when I was, when I was in the MFA, I, I was having this conversation with a friend and they were, they were telling me, you know, about, you know, how much fun they had when they sat down to write like that they really enjoyed enjoyed that process and couldn't wait to you know get home and sit in front of their computer and you know just spend like six hours working on a short story and and i had this i had this moment of realization where uh where i i realized that you know when i went to write short stories or when i went to you know work on longer bits of fiction that i just i hated it i hated it so much and i i just really did not enjoy that process and and i and and there is this kind of turning point you know uh, for me as a writer where i felt that you know if i was really going to try to make this my career if i you know really wanted to to dive dive deeper into it I would have to enjoy the things that I was doing, and so I, I made it made a choice at that moment to just lean into writing projects and writing processes that I enjoyed, and that uh, and that mostly brought me to to poetry. 
Well, that's that's interesting that you put it that way. So, I mean, had you been reading poetry up to that point and found that you were inspired by particular writers? Was it, and, and I guess, what was it about the process of sitting down to write fiction that was off-putting? Was it just that, that you'd have to sit for a long time <laughs> and, and sort of stew in something? Yeah, I think it was, so, you know, I, I was reading a lot of poetry at that time, and, you know, I, I continue to read a, a lot of poetry. I think, you know, that's a, a genre that I, you know, feel I feel like I always, you know, want to be well-read well in, in part because, you know, I, I really enjoy diving into those texts, you know, but I also really enjoy, like, lingering, you know, in them and in the, in their presences, um, you know. But I, I think the thing that I I really disliked about fiction was that it just felt, um, it, you know, it 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 just felt, uh, you know, un, uninteresting to me, you know, in so many ways, in the ways that I was writing it. Like I I you know I can totally appreciate uh, re- reading fiction sometimes still, um, but you know in 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 the writing, I would I would just get so bored of my own characters. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're they're very poorly written characters, I'm sure, and you know very poor, poorly conceived plots. Uh, and they they would you know it would just be so painful for me to read my own writing and you know and to and to take it seriously and to you know show it to others. And you know the whole the whole process, you know, I think um, was just difficult and painful <laughs> oh <laughs> sort of like wearing like you know something that doesn't fit you quite quite right or something like that I suppose totally eh? yeah yeah, yeah. Huh, that's interesting but and yet you go on to um uh to sort of migrate fiction into your poetic works it's just that it's not your fiction and the ways that you play with it are are sort of separating it from its original fiction context Totally. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's, uh, I think that's true in, um, you know, in particular, you know, in my, my second and third books in Uninhabited and, and Engine, you know, both of those, both of those books are, are, are sourced from fiction and, and reorganized and, and rearticulated from within fiction, um, and you know maybe sh- like shifted into the realm of poetry um, and even in my my latest project you know which is you know s- something that looks like you know large blocks of prose fiction you know there's there's very much uh, a poetics at work um, so you know I think you know Maybe I'm not ready to, to to throw away you know my engagement with fiction entirely, but just to say that like I'm I'm only I'm only interested in in, in certain certain aspects of it, and you know all all of my work too is is multi genre work you know where there are um, overlaps and and entwinements um, between and across genres, so you know perhaps. There's there's elements of fiction that I still find really appealing that uh, that find their way into my work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the way you have lifted, say, the old genre of the Western to perform a kind of nonfiction function for you now. Um, so it's maybe more operating as a kind of conceptual framework for you, perhaps 
Would that be accurate to say? Totally. Yeah. You know, I think it, it, my, my interest in the Western genre is, you know, kind of from the position of, of, of critique and, and, and comments. Um, and so, you know, that concept, that conceptual framework, you know, that allows me to, to pull out, you know, bits and pieces, you know, of, of, of those texts. So bits and pieces of, of fiction and, you know, re reorganize them and, and redistribute them. You know, I, I think a, you know, is both fiction and poetry and, you know, critique and commentary all at the same time, uh, if that makes sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I really get the sense that I guess that that academic side of your work um, is is playing a huge role in how you think about story and, and choosing what direction to take your writing in. Because you've gone on to get your PhD and now you're a professor at the University of Alberta. And, uh, and I guess I'm curious about those intersections, if you can elaborate a bit more on, on the kind of um, conceptual critical work that academia requires, which I find can often kind of squash creativity in a way, and yet you, your creativity seems to have flourished in that setting. Um, so how, how do those intersections work for you between academia and, and creative writing? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, when I... When I think about uh, Nishka, so that's um, my 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 late my latest book, I guess you know, and it's a it's a work of um, creative nonfiction, or pu published as a work of creative nonfiction, um, but it's it's also a also a work of photography and and academic inquiry. Um, and and concrete poetry uh and and really you know i see it as a place you know where all of these different you know vectors of interests uh collides or you know overlap um you know and, and i think you know part part of the part of the way part of the reason why that book looks the way that it does is because i wrote it within uh within a phd program and you know i was i was trying to think about you know all of these ideas that i was deeply interested in um that you know came primarily from indigenous studies and indigenous literary studies and i i really wanted to i really wanted to talk about some of those ideas but i was reluctant to uh to present those ideas in the ways that they're usually presented um in, in in academic writing, you know, which could be, you know, the peer-reviewed journal article or the academic monograph or, you know, even the conference paper. Like I felt the the things that I wanted to say, you know, I've I really wanted um, I really wanted those things to reach a different audience than than you know just the academic audience, um, and you know so as you know. As 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 a result of that, you know, interest, you know, in in moving beyond that audience, I started to think about the ways in which I could present um, certain kind of ideas that were pre present, um, you know, in my academic thinking, uh, in, in a way that they could be more digestible um, to to other audiences, and you know, I think. I think for sure, you know, 
Nishka is most likely, you know, um, like the the closest I'll ever get to an academic book. And you know, when you look at other academic books, you know, I think the the gap is still pretty wide. Hmm. Yeah, it is. That's. Uh, I, I really enjoy that you were able to present this as a dissertation and and then turn it into a book right away. I mean, the process of simply doing that is pretty it's pretty rare that you can turn something around that quickly. Like how did your academic community respond to this unconventional way of presenting your work? They were really into it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I I was I felt uh, I felt I was so incredibly lucky to have you know such an amazing supportive committee. Uh, so my my two uh, so I, I had I had uh, a pair of co supervisors you know at the helm, uh, so Dr. Sophie McCollum and Dr. Stephen Collis, uh, who were both. Uh, incre- incredibly supportive throughout the entire process, and you know, always, always, always understood that you know my 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 work, you know, went went in its own direction in, w- in whatever way that like you know they that I could imagine it, um, and and I think that was that was super helpful, you know, to have people on on my side, so to speak. And, uh, and, th- and there are many others, you know, in, in that English departments at SFU and other people on my committee who were, uh, who were just, you know, really instrumental in, in making specific arguments in specific moments, you know, at, at specific times, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to help me, you know, get that dissertation, you know, through some of the more, um, bureaucratic hoops that you have to jump through to 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 move a, a dissertation project forward and and you know i think um you know when i when i think about it you know now when i re- when i reflect on it you know i think you know like it, it seems it seems obvious to me in, in some ways that you know this work is 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 very much you know indebted to and grows out of work that happens in indigenous studies and work that happens in indigenous literary studies um, but that it also has these personal and creative elements um, you know and I, I think you know I, I I think there there's I think there's space for that uh, in in academia you know even if it you know needs to be fought for sometimes um, you know and I, I think the like that's that particular shape that it gave to my to my book, you know, I think is one that uh, is one that really really helps propel it forward into into something that uh, that you know I, I I wouldn't have written the same book, you know, if I if I had done it on my own, you know, outside of outside of that program. Hmm. Yeah, it's such a beautiful book visually in in so many ways. So maybe we can get into some of the specifics around sure. developing what not only um, what's in it, of course, but but also what it looks like. So maybe let's go back to the kind of instigation of a project for you. What what sort of gets you going on a new project? Do you find that there's maybe a flash of inspiration in some way or um, concept or idea you come across that you want to examine further um how how do things begin and then once you sort of have that idea where do you go from there to get started on a project like this 
I, th I think for this for this particular project, you know, it, I think it really started with an idea, and you know, that idea was, you know, how how do I talk about my experiences, or how do I explain my experiences to other people? Um, and, and specifically, like, how do I explain the experiences of intergenerational trauma? Um, and how do I communicate to, to people how, you know, residential schools have impacted me personally and also my parents and, and my grandparents? Um, and, and it was really those questions and, 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 you know, the, the book kind of grew out of those questions, but the, those questions were actually there, you know, well before I ever imagined, you know, a, a book might come out of them. Like they were, they were there kind of pragmatically for me, you know, when I would meet friends or, you know, like, like when I would, you know, have relationships, you know, with, 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 with people and, you know, I'd have to, you know, at, at some point, you know, like, tell them a bit about you know who I am and you know I think it was it's always been a, a struggle for me you know just as an individual human in the world <laughs> to mm -hmm. to ex explain you know how how deeply impacted you know my family has been and, and and I've been you know by this legacy of violence that ripples outwards from from the residential school system in Canada um and and you know I think I I really you know held on to that question for a long time um, and you know had always been thinking about you know where I wanted to go with it and you know you know how, new ways to answer it and you know I think part of the difficulty you know was that it was it felt so expansive in some ways um, and when I sat down to begin begin writing the book uh when i when i sat down to begin writing nishka you know there was just there was so many directions that i was i was trying to go in um and there's so many different different aspects um that i wanted to cover and that i wanted to address uh and that it it really just kept kept growing outwards um mm. And, you know, that, and that, and those questions, you know, sometimes also, you know, it became more difficult to answer because I, as I would, you know, approach trying to answer it one way, I would realize that, you know, you know, one single trajectory of an answer, you know, was insufficient and that I would have to come at that question from another way and, you know, from another way in addition to that. And so, you know, part of the, you know, uh, part of, Part of the reason why the the book you know has so many overlapping genres you know is is because you know those those genres were uh were were moments or those genres allowed me to approach you know the same question from multiple different angles right yeah um and and of course there's i guess precedent for this when you look at past artistic movements in merging genres and disciplines but um, to me this this had a particular um sort of uh mix to it that i haven't really encountered before particularly in in nonfiction, in that you're bringing in a lot of say source materials like um you know uh, uh transcripts and court documents um photography uh art 
Um, but then also your own uh, talks and and interviews that you've done, um, which, it, you know, just sort of gives us uh, like a kind of poetic presentation, I guess, of, uh, you know, elements of sound. It, it, that's a really hard thing to do in uh, a manuscript to kind of have things sing to us and, and be rhythmically paced. And I guess I'm sort of curious about that particular component of your presentation of things that are audio recordings. Um, you know, I, I think of page 61 in the book uh, where you've got, I guess, about seven seconds of silence from a presentation you gave. And each second is represented by a blank space. I mean, you're very specifically telling us as the reader to pause. And this is after a particularly traumatic moment that you recount. You're telling us, stop, right? And and think about this. So I guess what I'm getting at in asking this long-winded question <laughs> is how do you think about sound? And when it's such a difficult thing to portray on the page, what are your sort of techniques for grappling with sound? Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I love that question. I, I, I you know, I think, you know, sounds, um, sound and documentation, I think, you know, plays such an enormous role in this, in this work for me. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I think maybe the first way that I'll try to address the question is by saying that, um, you know, the, the audio recordings of, of talks uh, exists, exists in this book for a couple of different reasons. Um, and, and the, and the first reason uh, is that, you know, when I when I originally went uh, to put the book together, you know, I had I had given some of these talks already, and you know, so in some of the talks, you know, I was really interested in um, in in pulling out certain threads and and putting them in the book, um, and I I kind of had imagined at the outset of the write of the writing that I would. Uh, that I would, you know, write longer essays um, about about some of the things that I had talked about uh, pu publicly at these at these conferences, uh, and then I very quickly realized that I did not have the emotional capacity to follow through on that uh, original pathway, and and instead I felt that um, that you know I'd kind of accidentally, you know, uh, stumbled, you know, into this area that was actually really interesting to me, which was um, to represent those talks as, uh, as, you know, transcripts of audio files. Um, and I, and I think that really allowed me to, uh, to, to break apart bits and pieces of, of, of the talks, you know, into, these small timestamp sections, um, you know, so uh, so that that section that you're talking about on on page sixty two comes from uh, comes from this talk that I did at the Trans Canada's conference in uh, twenty seventeen, uh, and there is there were there were many pauses, <laughs> you know, in that talk, mm -hmm. uh, and there there are many moments where I you know, very deliberately, um, you know, paused and you know took took a, a break from from speaking and and I think 
those those are moments that you know when i listened to the audio recordings again you know they i thought they were you know very important moments within the text um and i, I think that that one on page 62 is is the longest one <laughs> um mm-hmm. you know but it was it was a very functional pause for me at that moment um you know because it it, it follows up you know this uh the story that I'm I'm telling about, you know, my mom and my dad and domestic violence. And, you know, it's a really difficult story for me to to tell. Um, you know, and at that time it was it was, you know, I think potentially even more difficult for me for me to tell. And there's and there's also like a, a gear that switches um in that in that white space and in that pause. Um, you know, so I, so, you know, I, I think about, I, I think about all of the, uh, all of the added layers of complexity that the audio recording uh, give gives me. You know, and 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 part of that, you know, is that uh, that 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 timing, you know, that that happens in in a in a in a live speaking setting <laughs> you know where you know the author dictates the pace of 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 the of the writing so to speak um and you know i think there there are potentially for, uh, further layers too you know like the other like you know the other way that i think about it is that you know the audio recording and the transcript you know are kind of more seamlessly in in line you know with some of the other documents in the book um like the uh like the court affidavits uh for example or or even like the uh even the notes sections that i have running through the book um than a you know a longer prose essay might be okay so kind of going from talking about sound um i'm also curious about how you see fragmentation of text and visuals um like the the work that it's doing in your larger structures you know the the way i would the way i'd approach um fragmentation you know i i think you know is to say that um you know there's there are there's there are structures at play for me as as a writer that seem to repeat, uh, and in I, I think you can even you can see it in Nishka, but you can you can also see it in uh, my first book, The Place of Scraps, and you know um, and Uninhabited and and Injun as well, you know where there's often these movements, you know between. Um, between visible and invisible, coherence and incoherence, um, and you, know, I, I think uh, the the whole and 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 the fragments, um, and I, I think the way you know it, I, I think the way it makes sense for me, um, in, I mean, I, I think there's there's a couple of ways it makes sense for me in in Nishka, which is to say that. You know, as as a work of of creative nonfiction, you know, like it's it's it, the book itself is broken into all of these different all of these different chunks that are all of these different genres. So there's this constant um, 
so the, the reader is constantly asked to encounter you know new new genres and and new new pieces uh that that you know can be read or interpreted in in many different ways so there's you know kind of like a narrative fragmentation um that happens in that respect and you know and within the book too you know there are there are moments um you know particularly with the visual work where you know bits and pieces of of archival photo photographs you know gets uh uh become become frag fragmented or you know presented in these smaller smaller pieces you know that are are just you know maybe part parts of a whole um and and you know potentially there there are others too were were, were there specific ones that you're you're thinking of oh gosh i don't know i mean i i think what appealed to me more broadly was just that um it feels like an act of rebellion and resistance to be sort of within the 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 confines of what often academic programs offer us as far as storytelling conventions go and to reject all of that and say, no, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to write something that has the kind of conventional build and climax and, and falling away of that tension um, that we see so often in Western narrative and in the Western canon. So I, I think what I appreciated more than anything was just that it was, it, it, it felt like an outright rejection. Um, yeah, that's all. <laughs> totally. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I, I think that's definitely part. I, I, that's a big part of it for me. You know, I think, um, you know, the the structure. Yeah, the the structure of the book. You know, I I, you know, is is absolutely you know uh, a non non linear autobiographical narrative you know where there's all these different bits and pieces that are um, presented out, out of chronological order you know in in, in different ways um, and that there's also um, you know like that's that traditional st structure <laughs> or you know a, like of, of the choices of traditional structure you know i think uh, nishka chooses none of them in some ways and just you know g goes goes in its own direction you know and i, and I, I think that's i mean I, th I think that's apparent from the start of the book you know but but you know there's also you know a section towards the end where um or maybe like it's the three quarters mark you know where the where you know words fall away entirely and you know the book just becomes images um you know and i think that's also it's also kind of a refusal you know in some ways or you know maybe even an an inability to articulate with words you know what can be better articulated through image yes and it's not simply that you're presenting images in place of words but then the words within those images become increasingly blurred so that you're forced as a reader to i think inject your own experience into that totally. ex experience of reading uh, or not reading the text yeah and to to really be communicating with you as the author on a more visceral level that's at least what my experience of it was yeah and i, I think you know i 
I, I think that's really my one of my main interests, you know, as an author is, you know, trying to write things or present things, you know, in a way that, you know, the reader, you know, can encounter them and and see them, you know, in a, in a way that, you know, I I might see them or to, you know, invite uh and you know, or to present something in in a way that, you know, that 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 level of engagement is is possible for the reader. Mhm. And yet you know, I you do have these kind of anchoring devices that you use. For example, all of your notes sections in Nishka start with the words "I remember." Um, you're rerouting us with you and reconnecting us to you, um, and you're offering us sometimes just a tiny little vignette. Uh, but it really, it really kind of helps to reestablish that contact, I guess. And I'm curious how you perceive memory as playing a role in your work and to what extent do you trust memory and rely on it? And, and then to what extent do you say corroborate it? Um, you know, this is a, a kind of common question we have in writing creative nonfiction. How much can we rely on memory? I th I think it's such an incredibly important question for me to to grapple with the possibilities of memory and what memory offers me and you know what I can reliably what I can reliably say about the past based on memory and you know I think you know so many of those sections uh, that as you say begin with uh, I remember. You know, like so many of those sections um, of of notes in in the book uh, occur in part because there was no document to point to. Uh, that you know, as as an author, I was un unmoored a bit, and I needed you know to. I there was a thing I wanted to address, and I had you know no no you know. None of, none of my usual means, you know, to to address that thing, uh, except for my memory. And I, I think, you know, I think I really wanted to to be true to be true to that and to acknowledge that, you know, that's where some of these things were coming from, um, you know, rather than to, you know, I think kind of disingenuously maybe present those things as as being fact <laughs> um but but instead to you know filter all of these things you know through through memory you know i think you know with is truer to what to what they are um and you know there there are many there are many moments you know that i that i truly you know, wanted to remember something and, you know, could only remember a few bits and pieces around it. And I, you know, tried to be as open as a, open and honest as I could about what specifically I did remember and what I didn't remember. Uh, and that, you know, that felt to me like a very important move, you know, um, as, as a creative nonfiction writer to, to make, uh, to, to gesture towards, you know where where those things felt concrete you know and and where and where they felt you know m maybe uh more i don't know uh <laughs> lo loosely defined or you know un unsure 
Mm-hmm. I think what it does too is for us as readers is it makes us zero in on the lingering impact or feeling of that memory that normal reconstruction or the processes of reconstruction would perhaps dilute, right? And so in just saying, okay, my memory is fallible and, and untrustworthy sometimes, you know, I, I, I do remember this. This is what has lingered after that encounter, that experience. And this is what matters in the end. Totally. You know, and I, I think, you know, if I had been uh, a, a diligence, you know, writer, <laughs> you know, I may have, you know, kept kept notes with me throughout the entire time and, you know, kept records of certain things that happened in certain memories that I had. Uh, and, and instead, you know, I think at, at the moment of writing the book, you know, I think, you know, I was pretty far removed from from some of the from some of the original events, you know, and, you know, I think um, na- navigating through memory, I think, was, uh, was a really, was it was a really difficult process. And, and, and one that, you know, I, I would be, I'd also be reluctant to give up, because I think it offered so many, uh, so many important moments in the book, and, you know, and, and pointed towards some areas that, you know, I really felt like I couldn't have addressed otherwise. Right. So if you don't mind, can you just take us into your space for a typical writing day and, and tell us what it looks like? Are you cutting things up and getting up and down and, you know, like putting things on your walls? Are you seated at the computer and, <laughs> you know, working on Photoshop? What does it look like? Yeah, I think, um, <laughs> you know, uh like right right now, you know, my my writing my writing days are at zero. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my my daughter is fourteen months old uh, oh. <laughs> in a couple okay. of days, and she has taken up all of my time, uh, and I I love love her dearly. Um, you know, but you know when I when I was writing, uh, you know, I think you know each 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 book and each project has it had its own very specific process. Uh, so, you know, for, for Nishka, for example, like, you know, I was very often, uh, you know, my writing very often looked like Photoshopping <laughs> and, you know, des- design work um, in, in, in design, you know, where I was just carefully placing, you know, certain, certain pieces of text or certain pieces of, of photograph um, or, you know, and, and sometimes it looked like transcription. Like I was just type, typing out, you know, an audio recording. Um, and I, and I think, you know, that's that kind of writing practice, you know, doesn't, doesn't always feel like uh, the, the same kind of writing practice, you know, that I, you know, abandoned you know when at back mm-hmm. when i was writing short stories <laughs> you know where i was just like sitting in front of my computer you know with an open word documents and you know writing sentences you mm-hmm. know i i often you know don't don't uh don't sit down and write sentences anymore i do i do other things um and and that that's been fun um uh, very, very recently, like my my next project that follows up on Nishka um, is a book called Empty Spaces that I I just 
just before my daughter Phoenix was born, like I, I put like the last, you know, the last work into, into finishing the first draft of that book. Um, and, and that one uh, is this, is a book about uh, land and, and landscape and, and representations of, of nature. Um, and it's, and it's one that, you know, I would very, very frequently, like my writing practice, you know, was, uh, was about, you know, putting like a, a handful of sentences in, into a space, you know, where I could digitally manipulate that text and, uh, and, you know, create extensions that uh, moved past it and, and through it and, and beyond it. Um, so, you know, my, my writing practice is, uh, is all, all over the place these days. <laughs> well, that's exciting because I think, you know, some of us need to jolt our writing out of our conventional putting down sentences habits. Um, so I'm excited to see it when it comes out. Do you have a release date for it? Oh, uh, I, I think it's 2023, but I'm not totally sure about it. <laughs> okay, well, we will watch. <laughs> uh, there's, I, I think, some, some, some things still to be decided. Um, yes. Okay, exciting. Do you have some tips for us? Oh, yeah. You know, I think... You know, I, I, I talk to, uh, part of the thing I, I do a lot these days is, is teach creative writing. And one of the things that I find so important to, to teach, you know, is, um, it's just writerly, it's just, uh, to open up this conversation about writerly habits and, you know, how writers engage with the world and, you know, what they do, you know, in their work and, you know, I often tell my students that, you know, I, I actually, you know, very rarely write. I spend most of my time not writing <laughs> and then just have these brief windows, you know, of just really intense creativity uh, that are sometimes, you know, just a couple of weeks a year. Maybe it's like a month a year or at most maybe like two months a year. Uh, and I do all of my work within those times. Um, and I think, you know, one of the, one of the bits of advice that's floating around out there, you know, I think is about creating, you know, time and space every day to write, you know, that you, that, you know, to be a writer, you need to write, you know, for two hours a day, for example, mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, you know, at like, I don't know, like, 1 1 a.m to 3 3 a.m or, or something <laughs> and i and i think you know i think for some writers that works really well and you know i think it doesn't work well for me and instead i've i've had to i've had to do this other thing which is to just write when i feel inspired to write um which isn't to say that you know i'm not thinking about writing you know for the other 11 months of the year usually you know but that I might only be writing for one of those months and and I think it's uh, I think it's so important um, to to give everyone time and space to you know find their own way through their own creative practices and in particular I think it's really important uh, to 
to to not beat yourself up over not writing you know if that's if that's not what's happening you know for you at this particular moment uh and i you know the the more i think about it you know that's 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 really like the best the best tip that you know i've i've been able to to come up with well, thank you. I think I need to hear that right now. <laughs> um, but I, I'm sure everybody will feel uh, some relief at knowing that it's it's possible to produce incredible work like you have uh, and not necessarily be writing every single day under a, a, that kind of pressure. So how inspiring. Thank you so much. It's it's just been such a treat to talk to you and and. Uh, Oh, I just, I love your work so much. I feel so privileged to have had this conversation. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Jillian. I totally appreciate, uh, I totally appreciate all your questions. It's been so lovely to, to hang out with you this afternoon. Yes. Thank you very much and hope to see you soon. Thank you. If you're interested in writing nonfiction, the University of King's College MFA in Creative Nonfiction might be for you. Find out more at ukings.ca slash MFA. And if you'd like to hear more book-related conversations, check out Bookings, the podcast of our friends at the King's Co-op Bookstore. That's it for today's show. Thanks to Jordan Abel for talking to us. His latest book, Nishka, is available from McClellan and Stewart. Further reading is produced by the University of King's College MFA program in creative nonfiction. Our editor is Samantha Hepperly. Music by Pete Johnston. Graphics by Mike Smith. I'm your host, Jillian Turnbull. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.